Welcome to the Bleed Bulimia Podcast with Greg Whiting on metabolizing your trauma. Hi everyone, I'm Lorianne. I am the host of Bleed Bulimia and today I have Greg Whiting with me and in fact I'm going to have him introduce himself so thank you for being here. Hi Lorianne, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Um, yeah, you know, so I work with trauma. Uh, I help people unpack and heal the unresolved trauma that's often at play beneath their anxiety, their depression, um, burnout, overwhelm, emptiness. You know, so my job is to really help people feel their pain. Um, but when we can feel the pain, we can metabolize it, we can process it, we can make sense of it. And I like the idea of mining the gold of unresolved trauma to help us locate a sense of meaning, a sense of place and significance in the world. So, you know, the idea of feeling pain and navigating trauma, um, it's not for the faint of heart, but that's, that's my work is to create a safe container to help people feel held and supported. You know, the imprints of trauma keep us feeling isolated, alienated, alone. And when we start to bridge a sense of connection and support and psychological safety and trust, you know, the wisdom of our own innate healing mechanism, that innate wisdom within, within us really has a, 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 a tremendous capacity to come online and support healing on all levels, body, mind, spirit. Love it. I have a really strange question that came to mind just now. Um, can we create our own traumas? So I, I, that's a, that's a good question. I have to think about that for a moment. Um, I think an unconscious attempt to heal trauma is reenactment. So yes, can we reenact traumatic experiences, which can look at us creating our own trauma and drama? Sure but it's an unconscious attempt to actually heal. So I like to normalize that because I think we can go into a place of a lot of further self-harm, judgment, and shame. Um, if we perceive that we're just creating a lot of trouble for ourselves, or if you know those in our mm -hmm. lives perceive that to be true, and what if that's just a cry for help? What if that's part of the body's wisdom, asking for attention, asking for support, when perhaps we don't know how to do that for ourselves? And you answered that beautifully because I do believe like, you know, there's people who've grown up with, and I feel bad for a very traumatic childhood. I didn't have one. And yet I was bulimic for 30 years. Uh, I think where I'm saying about creating your own trauma is how you perceive the world sees you. And it's exactly what you just finalized that with is that it may be a cry for attention. Um, and then you're feeling you're not getting it maybe because I'm not good enough or maybe because I'm annoying or maybe... So creating, that's where I was saying, creating your own drama or your own, whereas it's not the outside world really doing it. It's your perception of the outside world. Does that yeah. make any sense? Sure. You know, in early development, we are trying to figure out how to get our needs met to survive, mm -hmm. right? And we start to develop signals, even if we have very reliable and consistent care we are still get receiving subconscious messaging that perhaps we need to be somebody or something to get certain needs met. So we may learn how to perform parts of ourselves to get certain needs met, or we may start to hide parts of ourselves because if these parts are seen, then maybe these needs won't get met and that can put me in danger. 
So we learn how to modify our personality, you know, and and that happens again in early development. So we start to wear these masks and these costumes without even recognizing their masks and costumes. And we conflate these masks and costumes with who we are. So I think a, a big part of the healing journey is distinguishing these. Um, so we can come into more of a, an essential experience of, of who we are, um, which is a lot less encumbered, you know, a lot, a lot less wearing these cloaks that um, we've learned to hide behind to, yeah, navigate the world. So yeah, who we are in relationship to others is a, a big piece. You know, I think healing is both kind of our relationship from ourselves to ourselves, but then so much healing happens relationally, like how, who I am in relationship to you. Um, it's a big piece. I love that answer. That's not an easy one to answer. So I'm impressed, <laughs> really. So thank you. So you were saying, uh, as we were speaking earlier, that you have had experience uh, with a client who has uh, bulimia. So do you have any words that you can speak to our listeners to that? Sure. So, you know, I how I work is non-diagnostic, non-prescriptive. I am helping people connect to their innate wisdom. So innate wisdom was a term developed in chiropractic, um, which describes the healing mechanism. Let's say if we get a paper cut, there's a healing intelligence within each of us that will send platelets and proteins and orchestrate all these healing transmissions to help that paper cut heal. And it heals despite us. It heals while we're having this conversation. It heals while we're sleeping. It heals while we're going for a walk, while we're eating a meal. And so stress and trauma, you know, hereditary and environmental influences kind of short circuit our nervous system, right? And we then default to kind of fight, flight, freeze, appease responses. And we're kind of running around like a chicken with its head cut off. And then that really short circuits our connection to our innate wisdom. So my job is just to help people come back in contact with their innate wisdom. And then, you know, the pain that surfaces from that disconnect or the coping strategies, the mechanisms, the behaviors, and the beliefs start to kind of, you know, reorganize and restructure. Because when we're in in alignment with that innate wisdom, we're experiencing more harmony and balance. Um, so the behaviors, the beliefs that are organized around a lack of balance can just start to fall away. I think that's everything that's right i just wanted to ask you something though so uh i recovered and then um i i haven't gone back for 12 years to my bulimia however there's some people who we call it relapse i just like to say a hiccup um where we go back through covid that was a tough one uh and somehow for me it wasn't i was surprised i thought wow this is the time that so i knew i was fully recovered when i got through that one however there was the anxiety like so there's different things that came up right like my anxiety my tummy knots so i think that that uh support is a continual basis even after you uh you recover what I'm trying to say is that uh, you feel the emotions more once you're not bulimic anymore. 
Mm -hmm. Right. And so, I, well, sorry if I inter interrupt, but I think that's a no, function of healing is building more of a robust capacity to feel the full range of our human experience. Right. And so, um, that's not easy, right? So sometimes the other end of recovery is being able to feel really hard things, but being able to do it without it throwing us out of our window of tolerance where it's too much, right? And that's kind of the idea of trauma is often too much too soon. So healing is helping us slow things down so we can not bite off more than we can chew and actually process and metabolize, you know, the impact of lived experience, emotional experience, mental imprints of, of harm. Um, and so that takes time and healing is nonlinear. So as much growth as we may experience, we're still human. We're still going to be at the effect of difficult times and that's going to stretch us. Right. And mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, I like the idea of when we are in a, optimal zone of arousal, we have access to our upper brain of thought and reason and logic. But if we get overwhelmed, we're going to default to our lower brain, which is more our survival brain, right? And then some of these coping mechanisms and strategies that are helping us navigate what is seemingly overwhelming might come back online. So I think of healing as two steps forward, one step back. So even if we have a hiccup, as you say, well, each time we have a hiccup, we just get to learn a little bit more. We gather a few more data points to understand the part of us that is afraid, that's alone, that doesn't feel supported. And then we get to reparent that part of ourselves. So each time we reparent that that part of ourselves that doesn't feel safe and supported, it it brings that part of us along into more of a an experience and an understanding of wholeness. And so so yeah, I like to kind of normalize like that two step forward, one step back. And what if we can anticipate some hiccups along the way? What if that doesn't make us bad or wrong or a failure? What if what if that's actually how we learn, right? What if that is how we learn and grow? And so what if we can set that up in an understanding of a, a healing or recovery process? I love it. I, I That's beautifully said. I think that that's where, um, as being a bulimic, some of us feel like we'll never get out of it. As a recovered bulimic, uh, for the first few years, it was really like all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I have all these emotions. Uh, and then over the process and with help, and I've continued to get some support, uh, there's also the things that are coming. And again, at this point, I don't feel that they would trigger my bulimia, but they could trigger other things that were along with my bulimia, as you were talking about the, the you know, some trauma, some uh, anxiety. So it's really interesting that you're putting people into a mode that I would imagine they can uh, somehow hard thing to do, but deal with. I mean, I'm turning 60. I have a father who is not well and I might lose him in the next month and I'm getting ready for that. But somebody says you never get ready for that. Right. So that might put me into so it's just more for, you're, you're never going to be a constant, but what you do is kind of help people to, because they're already coming out of what you help them with, with the trauma and everything, but there's still trauma that keep, continues in life. Yeah. So you guide them through those as well is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I'm following you. <laughs> no, I appreciate everything you're sharing. And 
yeah, life is going to still throw us curveballs, right? But I think as we continue to lean into a healing practice, we're developing this robust relationship with ourselves. And it's like, and that connection from ourselves to ourselves is the part of us that knows we have our own back, right? And the more we keep showing up and we know that we have our own back, we can derive more trust in our capacity. So we may know that life's going to throw another curveball. And yeah, I can appreciate, you know, anticipating loss as you are. And it's true. Nothing will quite prepare you for that. And yet all the healing work you've done has been preparing for you, you for it just the same. So that's kind of the paradox of it. Right. And, and so, yeah, that loss I'm sure will bring up a lot and, you know, again, two steps forward, one step back, but then I look at the healing path as then deriving a greater sense of resilience and the repair each time we kind of lean into that challenge is, oh, look, look how I navigated that. You know, the lie of trauma and our pain is often I can't. And the truth of healing is we can. And each time we realize that we can, it's just putting another penny in the piggy bank of our understanding of our own capacity. Um, And that, and that grows over time. And yeah, occasionally the piggy bank's going to turn over and a few pennies are going to fall out, but we have the chance to turn it upright and then add them back in. I love that. That is so beautifully said. And it's funny because, you know, thinking along this line, I was talking about my loss. I'm going to go back to bulimia. It was a weird thing because once you recover from bulimia, I always called her my friend that was there for me but she was not really nice <laughs> but i needed her at the time like kind of be be with a narcissist kind of thing um and there was that kind of loss so that's that's another thing and you're right so having gone through that will help me through my healing of that and i appreciate you saying this because i think a lot of people need to hear this it's the same thing with letting go of your bulimia it's a loss um but the healing factor and getting to know yourself better as you're saying and dealing with it uh gets you through it to the point where you never want to go back again yeah and i think you speaking into that loss that's an important piece you know and i think part of life is grief and part of healing is grief right because how much of our own identity gets organized around our pain or gets organized around our quote-unquote condition So it's like, well, who am I if I don't have that condition? Who am I if I don't have that pain, which can actually feel pretty threatening because if this is all we know, this is who we are, well, then who the hell am I without it? And, and it, it's not easy to always discover that, right? Um, We're, we're kind of creatures of comfort and what is known and familiar. So to let go of what is known and familiar into the unknown is most certainly going to activate more fear. And if that fear kind of hijacks our upper brain and we just default to our survival strategies, then reverting back to the pain or the, you know, the condition is what's going to feel safe. And I appreciate, yeah, feeling the bulimia as a friend. You know, I um, one of my teachers in a trauma course at the California Institute of Integral Studies, which is talk about the trauma response, you know, when we default to fight, flight, freeze, or appease. As an old friend, we're often fighting against it, right? So how many of us are fighting against our pain, fighting against our, you know, diagnosis, 
But really, what if the pain and the diagnosis is just a wounded part of ourselves that actually needs a lot of love and attention? So mm-hmm. having that reorientation is a really important piece to kind of let go of the stigma, let go of the shame and the judgment and just develop, yeah, such a, a deeper loving relationship with ourselves. That's perfect. You know, anything that I've asked you today, you've put it into such beautiful terms. I really thank you for that. Uh, and, and it makes sense, you know, when you're going here to here in default, uh, like I said, I, I know that you don't have to, like I, you can recover fully from the living and not default there, but it's also to make sure that you have somebody and the support to know that you're not going to default to another thing. Very interesting that you said that. It's like Linus's blanket. Did I get that right? Is it Linus that had the blanket? Linus or Linus? Yeah. 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 It's a little blanket. And it's almost like defaulting to that in your own pain. So, what you're doing is excellent in trying to, you know, give the courage of getting over that and moving forward. Um, I, um, I think that being at peace with yourself is one of the most wonderful things ever. Um, am I a hundred percent? No, but am I 90% better than I was back 30 years ago? Yes. <laughs> um, and it's people like you who have helped me get there. So I'm really happy for you to be here. And which leads me to my next question, unless you want to say something right now. Well, um, you know, and what the brain is always going to default for to what's not working, right? So I just appreciate you acknowledging the growth, right? Because the brain doesn't want to acknowledge the growth, the 90% better. The brain wants to keep focusing on the 10% that still aren't just right. And there is yeah. no just right, right? We have to question the status of arriving. Like this is a, a healing is just an ongoing journey. There's no end point, right? We continue to grow in awareness. We continue to grow in capacity and compassion. Um, there's no end line. Um, and so, yeah, I, well, I like the imagery and I think it may be helpful. Just, you know, so much of locating that safety and that comfort and that connection is just regulating the nervous system. And I love the imagery of a seaplane landing on water, right? So the seaplane kind of first touches down on the water, but then it bounces back up, right? It touches down on water, bounces back up. And that's just, it takes a long time to finally settle and land. And, you know, but then a storm will come and it may bounce up again, right? So a future loss, the nervous system is likely to bounce back up again. But the healing practice gives us a set of tools and frameworks and understandings to stay connected to that innate wisdom. So our recovery time is shorter with more ease, with less stigma and judgment. And um, and then we learn a lot more along the way. And so, yeah, I, I just like to normalize that, right? We're just having a, 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 tr- a nervous system response to adverse experience in life. It's human. Um, unfortunately, we just haven't, these are the skills we should all be developing in early development in kindergarten first, second, third, you know, ongoing. And so a lot of us have to kind of start this learning later in life because our, our culture just isn't set up to, to support these understandings. You're absolutely right. In fact, I have a, um, beautiful 28 year old daughter who just told me, she goes, mom, I feel blessed and I'm happy. 
<laughs> I said, you don't know how long I waited for you to say that because I didn't want you to wait until I was my age. I think I was 50 before I felt that way. I No, I always felt blessings. Don't get me wrong. But um, and in particular in the last year, just there's this peace. And, and then with her telling me that uh, blessings to me, like if you recognize those are so important. I mean, I don't know if that's part of what you bring into it, but I really believe that understanding what you have today, what you've gone through, wow, right? And what you have today is really important. Um, yeah, I think that's a big thing for me these days. I wake up knowing my blessings and yes, I know that there's, you know, tough things I still have to go through. I know that there's things, but somebody said, if you have the choice, okay, so you have this blue door and this red door, right? I don't know which blue pill or red pill, whichever. I'll, I'll just say it as it is. So you go through the blue door to go back and fix all your mistakes. Or you can go through the red door. And now it said money. And it had a lot of money. I would even just put, and, and you walk through the red door and you've got $100 in your family. Which one would you pick? I'd pick the red door. I don't want to go fix my mistakes. I am who I am because of them, right? Yeah, I don't like yeah, I don't like the idea of fixing something because it implies something's broken. Um, right. And I think a lot of us come to our healing feeling broken, which I want to honor and meet people where we're at. But I think so much healing comes in the recognition that we're not broken. We are, you know, what if our anxiety and our depression or our bulimia are maybe responses to an unhealthy climate and unhealthy environment. And so what if these are responses that are just helping us navigate the best we can? And so we start to learn other strategies, right? Um, but as we're learning those strategies, we also learn a whole lot about ourselves. Beautifully and said, and you're absolutely right about that, because most of the time that is what it's all about. It's how to, for something we used to cope and it's uh it's lovely the work that you're doing thank you very much it's very important a lot of people um out there you know they don't realize i wouldn't say a lot but yeah i know a lot a lot of bulimics hide right so they don't want to go out for the help but it's the best thing that you could possibly do so by listening to this i would like for you to share how people can uh get a hold of you please greg sure and I guess I'll preface that by just saying I'm very much, I love to work through a trauma-informed lens. That's very important. So that means as much as I help people heal trauma, I don't go digging for trauma. I actually don't really focus on trauma, which is usually the thing that you know we're hiding from and we don't want someone to shine a spotlight on, um, which then can really get in the way of us healing what's you know getting in our way. You know, Again, so my work is just aligning us to that innate wisdom. And then the trauma gets to sort itself out as we just grow in our own nervous system capacity. But yeah, so Prisma, uh, the Prisma course is an online course and community that I have created. It draws upon uh, trauma, neuroscience, somatic and mindfulness-based practices and energy medicine. And these are all the practices that I started to piece together over the last 20 years to heal my own pain. Um, I'm three inches taller today than I was 25 years ago. I used to suffer from debilitating pain, anxiety, and depression, um, which, so these tools and practices, um, you know, I gathered along the way. And in the last several years, I've kind of reverse engineered how I've 
piece these practices together to create a healing system that's really practical and accessible for folks. So there's an online course which has a trauma and neuroscience roadmap, and that's released over eight uh, modules, which have workbooks with journaling prompts. And it's um, the seven prisma pillars of my system are kind of the drop pins on that map, because a lot of us are just kind of like healing, but not really knowing where we're at, where we're going. And it's really important to kind of get our bearings straight. Um, and then the somatic and mindfulness-based practices are basically kind of like the GPS. They are kind of helping navigate, uh, helping us navigate. And it's really the mind training, you know, that is helping us shift from pain to possibility, right? From limitation and contraction to expansion, so we can expand the aperture of what's possible. Um, and then the energy medicine is really the vehicle that helps us heal kind of the subconscious and unconscious mind as it imprints on the body. And that's the inflammation, the stagnation of emotion, the foggy thoughts, and just how that all starts to impact our physical health. So all of those are designed to pair together to give people a really comprehensive set of tools to heal. That's beautiful. And where could they, where can my listeners uh, reach you at to be able to access these? Yeah, prismamethod.com um, will take you to the landing page for the online course, gregwhiting.com. If folks want to learn a little bit more about me, my background, I also work with folks one-on-one. -on -one, and so, yeah, gregwhiting.com, prismamethod.com. Perfect. And listeners, all of this will be in the notes. Uh, so you can access with the links to the website. So again, Greg, thank you so much. Uh, I know I, I talked a little bit much, but this was really exciting. I think that your, uh, your words come out with wisdom and obviously with experience. And I thank you so much for being here as a guest. Thanks, Lorianne. It was really great to connect with you today. It really was. You have a great day. You too. Yeah. Bye.